You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey, you guys, I'm so grateful you could join me for this deep episode with Dr. Mikkel Harris. I'm so grateful. I know you are too, to have a gifted psychologist, a woman of faith, share with us about how we can process our losses and grief. Dr. Mikkel is not only a psychologist, but she's also a TEDx speaker, a course creator. Love her freebies. I'm so grateful with you guys. And the timing for her being with us is truly of essence. There's been a lot of hard things, not only on the news, but if you live long enough, there will be hard things in your life too. And sometimes, especially on a joy-filled podcast like this one, we can really laugh and enjoy and we do fun things. And I'm looking forward to more of that in May with you. I just really am grateful to stop, to pause, and to really grow together, I hope, spiritually this month in spaces of depth as well. After Dr. Mikkel and I shared, we experienced in the world and more tragedy, including the Covenant School in Dr. Mikkel's home state of Tennessee. And also we've had so much more even beyond that, as you know, in the world. So we continue to pile up grief losses and need spaces of care for these periods of time. And also the awareness that sometimes grief is something that hits us when we least expect it. So I'm really grateful and thankful for you that you are hanging out with us, that you pressed play on an episode that I think will serve you well for the long term. And not just so you can be served well, but so that you can share this with your people to just let them know some healthy ways that they can walk through loss. Because I'm telling you, it's littles all the way up to elders, but so many, I mean, every one of us has to walk through and carry loss. And when I look back on what I see now as so many graduating teens, because we're all in these months of graduation for my daughter and her friends, and they're nearing it if they're not there yet. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, the one thing I wish I would have done back in our teens on target day, when I would take them all to various shows and plays and who knows what else, just fun seven types of things. I think back on, yes, some of our literature chats had depths in them, but I wish that I had done an even more thorough job on the grief I see them all hit now. There's such a stark disillusionment that occurs between the years even of middle school all the way up to teen years through adulthood. And I just want want people to feel like they're not alone or weird or wrong for losing some of that sparkle and glimmer that we have as children. But I also want you guys to know that as you allow grief to wash over you and to be invited in when it needs to happen, that you guys do find joy is waiting on the other side. And so I'm grateful to have Dr. Mikal here this particular month because there's so much tragedy that we're seeing right now, but also you may have something going on that really needs to be dealt with. And maybe even in your marriage, 
there's a need for this. And instead of hearing all the time, just get up, keep going, do it again, work harder. We have a 48 hour grief policy or whatever you're hearing. I want to invite you into this episode to help you to understand that as we walk through this faith journey together, you know, you and your spouse, I think one of the most tender and beautiful things you can do together is to grieve. Honestly, I I can't think of times when Wes and I have been closer. You'd be surprised. I have seen it show up in so many people's lives in most peculiar of ways when they don't deal with their grief. Well, I've seen marriages end. I've seen people on the edge of their own addictions. And I just want you to know, like, I'm so proud of you for pressing, like I said, play on this episode, because I know some of you are like, I'm not even in grief right now, but, but really hold on so that when you are, you have rhythms. And that's what we're here for for you today to have those rhythms. And I, I'm really grateful that you joined us. I hope you had a happy Easter. Um, I hope that you have blessings after today's episode as well. We have such juicy topics all month. And Dr. Mikkel truly is sharing from her heart space today. She is a four wing three, wonderful personality type to both get us moving, but also first to give us the space to have this important chat. So let's welcome her right on. Dr. Mikkel, thank you so much for joining us on the ENM pod today. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. It's just a pleasure to be here, and I just feel really grateful. Oh, well, we are too. You guys, not only are we getting spoiled with Dr. Mikkel and her wonderful grief teaching, but she also has Ennea speak. So we're going to ask you first <laughs> about your Enneagram type and your life and your family a little bit. Absolutely. So I, I identify as an Enneagram type four wing three. And as I was sharing with you before we recorded, I thought for the longest time I was an Enneagram three. I am super competitive uh, with myself, very much success driven, goal driven, um, check off list. They, they really light me up. It's my love language. And uh, for a long time, I thought that was the case. But there was something about that Enneagram three that didn't resonate because of the emotional depth that I was able to really spend time in yeah. uh, and so forth. And so after really 10 years of discovery and over-focusing, honestly, on the tests for the Enneagram, which we know yeah. is not the most uh, accurate way to actually determine your type. It's mm-hmm. looking at your motivations. Once I did that, a light bulb went off and I said, I'm an Enneagram four this whole time. Wing three. That's what it is. And everything made sense. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I love that you're just encouraging those listening. If you haven't really found your type, sit with a few iterations of it and really allow in more than just the test feedback. I'm really that's right. you said that as yes. my audience knows I was testing as a four, but really I was a seven. And so I think yep. it's important that you uh, found this and how perfect for your work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Tell- it was really beautiful to sort of think about um, all this energy that I had expended. I mean, when I tell you I had taken so many Enneagram tests, I can't even count wow. and they were just the same. And I thought, but gosh, internally I knew. So certainly, yes, look at the motivations, read some great books and just spend some time milling around with your own internal drives and motivations. That's what's going to land you on the right number. Mm. And we, we all intuitively know ourselves. So trust that. 
Oh, oh, we love hearing that from a four. You guys make us stay and really sit with things. Yes. (laughs) So that's good. Well, tell us a little bit about your work or other elements of your life. Absolutely. So I uh, serve as a licensed psychologist. Uh, I'm I'm an advanced grief counseling professional, and I never thought in a thousand years that that would be where I landed. That's my specialty area. Um, I started my career in the 90s. Yes, I'm somewhat officially old. Uh, (laughs) Working with children. (laughs) Thank you. Working with children with developmental differences. Um, And I still do a little bit of work in that area. Um, What I didn't realize was that all of these different um, iterations of my career were actually leading me towards the same thing. And that was to be able to sit in spaces with people who had experienced life differently than they anticipated, whether it was that parent who had a child with a diagnosis they didn't anticipate or a child diagnosed with cancer and health wasn't going in the direction they thought, Mm. or someone who actually experienced the death of a loved one. Um, In 2012, when my mom died, I realized that this niche of grief and loss was something that I desperately needed Mm -hmm. and wasn't able to readily find um, really quality support at that time. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to make the difference that I wish that I'd had. And so my career pivoted in 2012 to be exclusively on grief and loss, but really I had been doing it all along. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's beautiful that you came from a place of not finding it, but knowing that it was needed. And that I'm sure was incredibly hard to Mm -hmm. not find it when you needed it too. Yeah. I think I was really struck um, after my mom's death that what I was looking for was really questions and answers around spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not sort of a, sort of a, a ding against most books written re- with regard to spirituality. But what I found at that time was a lot of books that were focused on, I experienced this loss, mm-hmm. my faith interrupted me in some way, and then life became really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't my experience. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a lot of uh, emotional depths and abyss uh, that I'd never experienced, um, really questioning my faith and a lot of anger rose up. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a book uh, or a tool that focused on what I considered the reality of grieving. And so I decided to sort of um, allow myself to lean into my own pain and then subsequently work with others who were also in those same spaces as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really beautiful. Yeah. Now that is beautiful. Like you said, when you can truly delve in versus just this cursory look at it and say it's over and it's never going to come back. You were able to just liken your clients and your own pain with this is real and it hits hard and we have to have a way through it. Mm -hmm. I know that fours often spend a lot of times in contemplation. How did you get down to your own feelings uh, as well and not just thoughts, but how did you allow yourself to sit with the feelings or maybe suggest to our listeners? Yeah. So I, I would love to say I was a psychologist when my mom died and I would love to say that it was just something I, I knew I needed to do. But the reality is uh, I was sitting across from my therapist in 2013, mm-hmm. um, probably about seven, eight months after my mom died. 
And given the fact that, again, that Enneagram wing three was highly showing up, I thought, you know what? I'm going to work my way through grief. I'm going to not deal with this. I'm going to shine the focus on my career and really do my best to outrun anything associated with loss. And so as I was sitting with my therapist, she really kindly said, um, even though I didn't receive it at the time, she said, you know, Mikkel, there's really no outrunning loss. Mm. And what would it look like if you leaned into the pain, if you relaxed into the pain of your mom's death? Now, that landed on really deaf ears. Mm. uh, And I decided that I was going to no-show my appointments for a good two months. (laughs) (laughs) In rebellion, right? <laughs> I'm going to come back and see you. Hear that? Uh-huh. I, yes. Yes. I want to brown knuckle my way through this and not really shine a light on it. Um, two months later, I was sitting back in her office and I decided, you know what? She's right. Mm-hmm. Grief was literally showing up in my body. Um, I was having challenges concentrating at every turn, I realized that this was an all-consuming affair and that this cloud of grief was nothing that was going away. And so I might as well take my therapist's advice and actually sit with it. Uh, so that's really that was really the turning point where I decided I needed to do exactly what she said, and that was relax into it. So through a series of uh, journaling, uh, therapeutic support, and really listening to my body, I realized that I had no choice um, but to really acknowledge what was before me and, and face it head on uh, and not work to avoid it. Wow. Oh, mm. wow. And so I I can hear that you needed that, but how hard, and I know our listeners can relate, how hard it is to take time out for some of us to do it, even those who are, uh, you know, having some access to the four space, because like we were saying earlier, sometimes fours can think about it, but even to the four, it was work to dig in. Absolutely. I love how you let us know, especially if you have a three wing. Yes, I'm telling you, I, and and also when my mom died, I had literally graduated from um, my doctoral and postdoctoral fellowship. So I had cultivated really 15 years of academic rigor, Mm -hmm. which was very linear, structured, focused, compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say that I'm sort of exercising my way out of all the bad things that grad school created in me. Yep. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, allowing that four part of me to rise was very difficult um, in tandem with that three wanting to be the reigning, you know, variable. Um, But I knew, like I said, because my body was literally shutting down. Um, Mm -hmm. I was waking up um, at all times of the night, major sleep dysregulation, random aches and pains. And so all the signs were, okay, if you don't shine a light on this, we're just going to continue to, it's, it's going to continue to show up in different ways. Mm. And um, I had to surrender to the fact that I needed support and I needed to actually lean into this a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good for us to be reminded of. Support is good. Your therapist helped um, yeah. So I like how you're telling us our body keeps the score. It understands. The score. Mm-hmm. Well, and interestingly, again, back to this Enneagram three part of me, because I was showing up so well, my mom died on December 9th, 2012. 
I was working as a professor at the time. Mm -hmm. And so this happened to fall perfectly in that Christmas holiday break. And so January 3rd, 4th, 5th, I was standing before my grad students. I was in a clinical psychology doctoral program and no one had any idea that I was dying inside. Um, However, the feedback I was getting was, you know, Mikkel, like you're about to get a promotion. I, I, I've advanced in my career. I was presenting all over the world. I was teaching my classes without missing a beat. All my grades were in. I was uh, publishing. All these things were going on. And the feedback I was getting was, keep doing what you're doing. You're making grief look outstanding. And I took that as a compliment. Yeah, That three part of me loved that. I loved hearing the accolades of performance and success. Uh, and that worked to my detriment because it only pushed me further away from doing the very thing that I needed to do, which was stop and rest and cry and allow myself to feel all these really profound and necessary uh, emotions. Mm. Thank you for really revealing that. I know that's vulnerable. And I know many of our fours and threes and other types are nodding that they have been there. And it's shocking how resilient we can be and beautiful at the same time. But we know that's meant for short term. And here, uh, as you're saying, like most of us will use it for a long term strategy when we actually need to process our grief. So What do you say to those of us who are uh, walking through major grief or who have walked through it and still might be walking through it or any grief? What's something they can do to stay in touch with it? Yeah, I always recommend something around these lines to myself and my clients. And that is as counterintuitive as it feels, schedule time to feel, right? Mm -hmm. And and this is not me saying, okay, I'm going to put on the calendar. I'm crying for 30 minutes on Tuesday from 12 to 1230, but (laughs) it is important to prioritize yourself. Mm -hmm. And so as you look at your life calendar, right? Mm -hmm. Before you put down that meeting with your child's school or that doctor's appointment or anything else, like what would it look like for you to schedule some time to ask yourself three questions? And the first question is, where are my thoughts taking me? Like how often do we sit and think what's really going on in my thought patterns right now? Right? So that's the first question. The second is what is my body telling me? Mm -hmm. Right? As a three, I was just completely determined to ignore every single red flag in the body zone, even though I knew the body kept the score. I didn't want to face that. So sitting down and actually asking, what is my body telling me is really critical. And then the third is, what am I feeling in this moment? It may be numb. It may be overwhelmed. It may be sad, angry, whatever. That is a critical thing to set aside time to do. And more important than that is what do I do with the information, right? So I I like to think about um, emotions and information, just like a thermostat. When we're at home and our air conditioner comes on and then it turns off, the only reason that's happening is because that thermostat is picking up on something different being uh, something happening in the environment that's different. Well, We have an internal thermostat. Our body is responding. Our thoughts are haywire. Whatever's going on, that's just information. So we don't need to judge what we're feeling. We just need to say, hey, gosh, 
My thoughts are taking me in a direction I'm not really preferring. My emotions are feeling whatever, my body. Here's what I need to do to adjust to the change in the environment. And that may be reaching out for help, crying, journaling. There's so many uh, ways to manage that, but it is important that we carve a time out. So that would be my primary recommendation for folks is set aside time to ask those questions because you matter. Thank you for reminding us that we matter and what's happening on the inside needs to be healed before we can really be effective on the outside for ourselves and for others. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just even you saying the scheduling really blesses me personally, because I know that I get afraid sometimes of grief taking over. And that's just internal fear that kind of has happened before, as I've Mm -hmm. shared with my audience and, you know, hives, fevers. Uh, Mm -hmm. I told you I have a dramatic foresight as well. So um, I have (laughs) really appreciated learning over the years, just even being reminded by you today, like Mm -hmm. you don't have to do this all day. Yeah, no. And and here's the truth. I think that is one of the biggest fears for those of us who grieve in that if I allow that opening, then I'm going to be flooded and it's going to consume me to the point where I can't function. But really, if you think about scheduling, which again, can, that, can sound sort of non-sexy to a lot of people, doing that really sets up a framework where you can predict, you know, like for myself, I usually schedule this on Thursdays. It's a day where I typically don't, I don't see clients and I'm usually at home. So I carve out a specific time every single Thursday. And sometimes it's, it's nothing. I'm dancing and singing worship music. Other times I'm crying and rolling around on the floor, but whatever comes up, comes up, but it's the predictability that is actually really powerful in the grief space because grief is unpredictable. So knowing there's a safe place for me to go every single week or multiple times a week, if that's what you decide, is really valuable. And it's a reminder that it's not going to consume you. Um, But if you don't address it, perhaps it will. Yeah, that's a really good point that it could be low lying if you don't address it and it will be low lying. It's part of life. Loss is part of life that can't be ignored. So um, thank you. And tell us about your four grief affirmations, if that's something that uh, you think would help here too. Absolutely. So this was really interesting. I sort of created these affirmations and I remember posting this on Instagram And it was this cute little graphic. And I thought, you know, this is really pretty. You know, of course, fours are very aesthetic. Uh, So I thought. (laughs) I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I spent more time probably trying to perfect it in Canva. But then I thought, you know, so I just posted it. And to be honest with you, I thought, well, this is, this is nothing special, right? There's just sort of four categories, but I was so blown away by all the messages that I got about the the ways that we can affirm ourselves. So there are four sort of categories. um, And the first one has to do with capacity. It is so important as we grieve that we remember that we are capable, right? Grief has a way of making you think that you're not going to survive, that you're going to be all consumed, that it's going to overtake you to the point unto death. But that's not true. The point is we are much more capable and we have much more capacity than we think. So the first affirmation is I am more capable than I ever believed possible. That is one of the greatest things that grief has taught me because I didn't think I would survive my mom's death. 
13 years later, here I am still standing. So that's the first. Um, The second is what I sort of frame as liberation, right? Mm -hmm. So because of the way our society is sort of wound, sometimes we don't feel that we are really free to embrace and and communicate what we're really feeling. Mm -hmm. So this liberation affirmation is my ability to access and express my emotions is a portal to freedom, right? That's the portal to freedom. You are liberating yourself every single time you give yourself permission to feel and emote and express that in an outward way, right? That is the portal, right? So we feel sometimes that we are lonely and um, stifled. And part of it sometimes is that we're not really liberating ourselves, right? Emotions are the portal to freedom. Uh, The third affirmation has to do with what I call a divine gift. Mm -hmm. And that is within us, we have everything that we need in order to navigate this journey, even if it doesn't feel like it, right? Because our feelings aren't necessarily facts. So the affirmation here is everything I need to navigate this journey, I already possess because that's true. Now, it may take time to access all those tools, but it doesn't mean that it's not in there, right? You have everything that you need. And then the fourth one is community, right? So we know as grieving hearts that we, of course, can try to do this alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is that community, we're wired for community and social connection. Um, So this basically says I'm supported on all sides and open myself up to receive what I need. That was a hard one for me. That is a hard one for me. I'm a natural nurturer. And it's so much easier for me to give out. But in community, not only do we give, but we receive and we need that as a grieving heart. So capacity, liberation, divine gift and community. Mm. Oh, I love that. You guys hear me exclaiming through this because (laughs) I seriously wish I would have had this back then. And I'm so happy for those who have grief uh, in the midst of it right now in that way. I mean, we all wish we didn't have any, but to know that these are true, this is just so empowering and important. And it's all around us at all times. I know one of the therapists on my team just lost her mom and, and your work has already helped me so much and I love to pass it on, but I guess Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add for our couples listening, since this is a relationship chat, what I especially love is that she's empowering you as an individual. And there were many times when my spouse could not be there for me that I had to do my work. And -hmm. of course, teaching him what I did need helped later Mm -hmm. as he matured, but sometimes your spouse is in grief or they they don't know what to do. And so yeah. these are beautiful that these are empowerments for each individual. That's right. Yeah. And it's a reminder, especially that community one, that mm-hmm. even though you may be looking out through the lens of grief and perceiving that no one is there, yeah. people are, people are, they may not be showing up in the way that you want them to, but that doesn't mean or discount that there are people and supports available. So part of it, again, is opening your heart up to receive what they have to offer Mm. uh, because you need that as you grieve. We we Mm. can't do this alone. 
that's good stuff because that really touches, like we said before we got on the podcast, we all have each Enneagram type and some of them are higher than others. And that really touches us in that two space when we say, I don't want to accept this kind of help because this is the kind of help I give, or this is the kind of help I would have expected. And, uh, and I really hear that part too, is do your own work and see what other people can give you. Um, I love that. I know my husband did make me a beautiful video for my mom's death. And I mm. was really resentful at the moment because I said, I need you. And he was off making the video the whole time. But now the video has become such a blessing to me for many years. And he's made many other people's legacy tribute videos because he is cerebral and can be logical and set away. So it mm. really blesses me to share this with others that, um, it's just, you've got to see what people have to give and you can't make them give what they don't. That's right. I was listening to um, actually a sermon. This is about a decade ago. And this pastor was saying that when we are going through things, we might have a gallon size need. Mm. And so with our gallon size need, we're looking out and we are putting the expectation on whoever's around us Mm. to fill up the whole gallon. Mm. That may be a spouse, that may be a friend, that may be a colleague. The truth is, though, you may be interacting, and this is not to minimize what the other person has. They may be able to offer you a pint. And what we do sometimes is we will negate the pint because it's not the gallon. But the truth is, if you get the pint from them and the the quart from them and a teaspoon from them, and then what you're also doing to fill up your own, guess what? Your gallon can be refueled and refilled. Mm -hmm. But if you negate everything that doesn't look like what you think you need, you may be missing out, which is going to increase your suffering. Oh my goodness. What a brilliant sermon you heard. And thank you for sharing that with us. Powerful. Really put that to words for what I've been thinking, but have never enunciated or fully fleshed out. So that is very powerful. And I really believe that we'll all be blessed by it because we do that. We're like, I wanted this. And it's like, you know, you gave that. And so you're out, right? If if you think about it, accept, accept what people have to give, knowing that it's the combination of all of these communal uh, deposits that are going to bless you and help you along the journey. Uh, Yes. And as you said, really multiple people, not just even that one. Um, So that's beautiful. And now, um, now I know everyone's like, oh my gosh, I need to have more information (laughs) from her, but tell us a little bit about your book. I really love that you not only have your mindfulness freebies that I've been blessed by, but also relaxing into the pain. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So in preparation for today, my little baby. Yes. Um, this is my um, offering. It was on the heels of my mom's death. It's called Relaxing into the Pain, My Journey into Grief and Beyond. And essentially, it is a walk through uh, beginning the day that I learned my mom was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer to several years beyond her death in journal form. So again, I was wanting to hear the raw and the real experiences of people who grieved. I didn't want a glossed over version of, you know, I was here, (laughs) grieved and now I'm better because that really was not and is not the the truth for most folks. Mm -hmm. Um, So relaxing into the pain is your invitation into my thought process through journal entries. And then I'm providing some context over the course of about a two year period Um, really highlighting these physical awarenesses that I learned 
um, the emotional ebbs and flows, and then the spiritual questions that were answered and some still remain unanswered in the face of loss. Um, And I, I credit my therapist who is written in here because she's the one who introduced me to this concept of relaxing into the pain in the first place. Oh, wow. I uh, also really love the book, A Grace Disguised by Gerald Sitzer. And yes. I get that book for people when yes. they're lost, like my friend just lost her husband. But the truth is what we already said today, and we're reminding everyone now is sometimes we need that journaling space to just uh, to know that we have a beginning and an end and we can do something and we might be sitting there and don't know what to do. So I loved also reading the reviews on Amazon about your book. So many people were personally touched by it because of that journaling space. Yeah. And journaling is something it's, it's so interesting. I uh, work in private practice a couple of days a week Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting when I throw out that recommendation Mm -hmm. of a potential, you know, asset along the journey of therapy and that's journaling and people will sort of, Oh, I don't want to write a diary. I don't want to do that. Um, And I always encourage them. I think there's a fear of that blank page staring back at you as you're grieving because you may not you may not know how you feel or your feelings are all over the place it can be very difficult to anchor that on a blank slate yeah. i want to challenge folks if that's a concern for you there are so many awesome resources these days mm-hmm. that are prompts guided prompts to get you thinking about specific things or if you are like me you may love that blank canvas where you can create and craft whatever it is that's happening for you in that moment, mm-hmm. um, but to not be afraid of the pen and paper, mm-hmm. not be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say that without journaling and, and obviously my prayer life, I literally don't think that I would be as stable as I am yeah. uh, because I've been able to go back and see, wow, that's where I was. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. This is what I continue to wrestle with and that's okay, mm-hmm. but it's documenting it's documenting this process for me over time. And that's Mm. been really powerful. Mm. And it gives us such a gift when you say, Hey, I have walked through this. You're maybe fresh in your grief right now. And Mm -hmm. she's right there to lead you through. So I love that. Thank you. And um, thank you for also sharing these tips in your four space of, you know, getting into movement and dancing and uh, worship. And I know my four loves that for, for processing through grief. So this is the perfect season for us to walk through this. Tell us how our audience can get in touch with you, with your books, your resources, your freebies, your tools that have already been so helpful to me. Absolutely. So I, I love Instagram. Um, over there, I'm Dr. Mikel, D-R-M-E-K-E-L. And you will see lots of um, crazy reels. Uh, those have become so funny to me <laughs> and fun to make. But yes, if you go to my Instagram page, um, you can click the link in my bio. And from there, you'll have access to the freebies that Krista mentioned. Um, also, I have some paid opportunities. I have the Grief Anatomy Toolkit, which I love. This is sort of a five-prong strategies for navigating and processing grief that includes some of the things we've talked about, but expands that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then I also last year created what I call the Reimagining Life After Loss Community. Mm-hmm. So every um, about twice, two to three times a year now, I'm offering a space for a small group of people to come together in community mm-hmm. to really navigate over the course of eight weeks, uh, this journey of 
questioning and discovery and um, questioning again and rest, all of these things that are so important. Um, so that's an opportunity as well as my book. So, and then you'll have access to other podcasts and things that I've done as well. Oh my goodness. We, cause we yeah. just can't get enough of you. So thank you. You're so kind Time for us today. We've loved every minute. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it just does so much for my heart to be able to share. And my greatest prayer is that someone hears this and knows that they're not alone and that they can walk through this journey and be able to experience grief and joy. They're not mutually exclusive. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in with us. I am so grateful that you are hanging out in this space of learning how to walk through your grief. I hope you'll take one tip from today that you can hold on to, share with somebody that you love. Make sure you share this episode if you're not already leaving reviews. I hope you are so that others really can find it. This is how our show gets found is when you stop to leave a review. Makes a huge difference. We read those reviews carefully and we even use them to aim our next show. So that's why we have May coming on with some lighter shows, but we're really thankful for this month of April where we get to just deepen your relationships in the best of ways too. So thank you. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for uh, listening. Make sure you check out Dr. Mikkel's show notes so that you can get to know her better. And I promise you, you're going to have people to share her website and her freebies with. So I hope you'll do that because they're excellent. And it's so wonderful to be able to tell a friend who's grieving, I have something for you. So, okay. Thanks you guys. Have a great week and I'll see you on Wednesday with our type two episode. You don't want to miss it. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as anyagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.